Hallelujah. Well, we want to go into a study today. We want to go into a study. Remember, this week we still continue with our uh, classes on Tuesday, and we are finishing the book of Ephesians. So you are still welcome to continue rolling with this. Now, <clears throat> we want to uh, go ahead and uh, continue with our study that we started last week on success. And everybody wants to be a success, true or false. Everybody wants, there's nobody who does anything with an intention to fail. I don't like failure because failure is a momentum snatcher. I don't like failure. Failure is very bad. Failure makes two people who love each other separate. Amen. I don't like failure. I don't like failure. And that's why I like to study about success. I like to uh, know what it takes to walk into success. And we started uh, last week. Let me do a run through of what we said uh, last week. Number one, we said we looked at views, world views of success. And the number one world view of success we looked at was a naturalistic world view. A naturalistic worldview. Naturalistic worldview. Naturalistic. And we said this worldview is what is propagated by atheists and people who don't believe in creation. They believe in evolution. You can listen to the podcast if you have some time. We share this podcast every other time. Number two, we said uh, that uh, there's a social worldview of success or what society views success to be. And I remember saying that society has defined success in many ways. Society has defined success uh, using fashion, using language, using what you own, and many other things. And we said society can never be your source of what success is. Because what was successful yesterday is no longer successful today. True or false? Remember when Ladies used to put a fro. Amen. Our mothers back then. It came to a time when you have to play it. Came to a time where you have to add another one. Now it's going to work. <laughs> you have to cut it. Amen. All that is beautiful. But there are some people who have, you know, made it difficult in the house for their husband or wives because they want to buy that car that looks successful. So society is always telling you, for you to look successful on the road, you have to buy this type of car. You have to do this type of thing. So society has ways through which it tells you you're successful. But that is not true. And then we also looked at the third one, which is God's view of success. And we said, this is the right view of success. Because what God calls success is the truth success. What God calls success is what is true success. Do you believe me? Say, I am successful. Say, I am successful. Now, here is what we said again. Number one, God's worldview of success is the best worldview of success. God's worldview of success is the best worldview of success. Why? Because God created you. And the manufacturer is the one who knows why he created a product. And so when you look at yourself the way God looks at you, you are successful. And we say this too. God's worldview of success states that, look at this, you are successful or we are successful. So we are not trying to become successful, we are successful. That's a different way from how the world looks at it. The world puts success ahead of us and tells us run after it. God says success is who you are. Walk according to it. Can you see this? The world says this. Look at this. The world says this. Successful is ahead of you. Run after it. God says you are success. Behave it. So God's worldview of success is different from the society worldview of success. Say, I am successful. Convincingly say, I am successful. No matter what people say, say, I am successful. It's important for you to do this exercise in front of a mirror every morning and say, you lady is successful. Look yourself eyeball to eyeball. Amen. 
and tell yourself you are successful. No matter what they say, say you are successful. Because God thinks of you as successful. I taught here the other time that never have any mind in you that is not in the mind of God. Or never entertain a thought that is not in the mind of God towards you. So every time you are thinking you are a loser, you are thinking contrary to what God is thinking about you. You are not a loser. Say, I am not a loser. I am successful. I'm excited this morning. Because out of this church is coming people who are going to exemplify success. Who are going to show what true success is. And I know that is you in Jesus name. And thirdly we said in Christ we are successful but not all win at living out success. In Christ Jesus we are successful. That's our status. But not all win Win. And that's the operative word there. Not all win at living out success. Not everybody is winning at living out success. And so naturally, with this kind of information, you would ask yourself, how do I win at living out success? We have said the world puts success ahead of you and asks you to run after it. But God does not put success out in front of you, God puts success in you and tells you, live it out. And so many people don't win at living out success. Many people don't win at exemplifying success or demonstrating success or walking out success. And that's what we want to look at today. But the question is, why... Do I need to understand how to exemplify success? Why? Now look at this. Every day we either are winning or losing at living out our success. Every day we are either winning or losing at living out our true nature and status in Christ. Every, every day. So it's important because... When you look at the actions you do every day, when they compound, they get you to where you are today. We are at the cumulative results of the things we've done over time. Praise God. For example, if somebody doesn't want to brush their teeth, maybe the first day wouldn't be too bad, all right? But if it compounds, their teeth will start falling off, Right? But the first, second, third, fourth, fifth day, nothing is happening. It's, it's so little. So compounding effect is what we are today based on what we've been doing all, all, over and over in our lives. And so the reason why you need to understand how to act out success is because you're already acting out something and it's either leading to success or failure. Remember, you are a success but many people don't win at living it out. So most will not get to their destination that they have inside them. So the number one reason why we need to know how to live out is this. Every day we are either winning or losing. Say, I will win from today. So every day we're either winning or losing at living out our success. Number two, God wants us to win in our daily walk. God wants us to win. So if God wants you to win, then you need to behave it. You need to win. God wants us to win in our everyday walk. God wants us to win in our everyday walk. God wants us to win. And that's why it's important for you to learn how to win. Remember, it's not the responsibility of God to win on your behalf. God already gave you everything you need for you to live out success. I have had many people sometimes when, you know, they're encountering hard stuff, they push it back to God. Maybe God didn't want me to be a millionaire. Or maybe God... Didn't want me to pastor a big church. No. You pastor 
the church that you're willing to work towards. Praise God. You earn the money. Listen to me. You don't earn the money that God wants you to earn. You earn the money that yourself, you've renewed your mind to earn. Don't ever say, this is the only job that God can give you. There are many jobs that you can work in. There are many other business you can open. It is laziness to put all the responsibility to God. It is total laziness to put responsibility to God. It is not God's idea that you are where you are. It is your idea, the cumulative effect of the things that we have done, that we are where we are. But the good news is this, that you can grow. Amen? The good news is this, that we can go farther. The good news is this, that we can go to a higher place. And so today we are provoking ourselves and telling ourselves what we've earned today, that is good. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But I know there is more. There's, I know I can come higher in this walk with God. I know I can pastor more people. I know I can start another business. I know I can buy another house. I know I can start my real estate company. I know I can start another company. You have to have that in your mind if you're ever going to go forward. Many people think that where they are is enough until the spirit moves. The spirit moved in Christ. Now you take advantage. Amen? And then lastly, winning gives God glory. This is why we need to learn this. Because winning gives God glory. Winning give God's, gives God glory. Winning gives God glory. Winning. So when you're not winning, you're not giving glory to God. It, it's just it's that direct. It might sound a little bit harsh, but that's the way it is. Praise God. Winning gives God glory. Remember one time I mentioned, if this iPad does not win at doing what it was created to do, it will not give Apple glory. People will start saying, man, Apple is failing these days. Why? Because the malfunction of the product affects the brand. Are you seeing this? So when it is not functioning at optimal, it's affecting the brand. We know of phones that used to be popular. How many people remember BlackBerry? Come on. <laughs> I mean, every businessman was with their BlackBerry. And the, what do you call the keyboard? The quad, quad keyboard? I mean, I always wanted to own a BlackBerry for the longest time. Because we had some funny ones. But BlackBerry was very expensive. It was a picture of success at some point. But right now when you see a BlackBerry, you just, you know, you can't even engage with it. How many remember the palm tops? Right? Yeah? How many remember the flip phones? Motorola Razor. Remember those phones? Flip and thin. Amen. It used to be the it. Praise God. But it's no longer there. Why? Because when a company does not continue to deliver through the product, it doesn't give it glory. And what is glory towards Apple? It's more money on their bottom lines. All right? And so, let me show you how we win. How we win. How we win. Amen? By the way, this Friday was my wife's birthday. Amen? Praise God. Did anyone of you text her? Don't lie, we're in church. <laughs> Praise God. It was her birthday. She's finally turned 16. Amen. <laughs> so excited that she's now becoming of age. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was her birthday and uh, had a very good time. A couple of friends took us out for dinner to a place that we've never been, and we were very mad that we don't know that place. But thank you for all that took us there. Amen. And the Lord bless you. So, you know, for her birthday, you know, I bought my wife a beautiful phone. Amen. Praise God. The men are not clapping to me. Are you jealous? <laughs> you know, clap, clap for our brother. You know, my home is full of joy right now. <laughs> As we speak, <laughs> my home is full of joy, amen. But yeah, I, you know, bought my wife 
um, phone. And while we were unboxing the, the phone, actually, this is the box, right? And I carried it to just do an illustration. And while we were unboxing, there's various things in the box, various things. You find a charger and a lot of other things that you find in there. But there's one thing that never make, misses in a box when you're unboxing any electronic, and it's called the manual. Okay? The manual. It's always tucked in there. And the manufacturer puts this in there by purpose. Because the manufacturer, manufacturer wants you to win. Are you seeing this? He wants you to win at operating the gadget. That's why he puts this. The manufacturer didn't have extra paper. And say, I'm just going to write some things and put it in there. This has something to do with what you're buying. How many people have ever bought maybe something you need to assemble and you assumed the manual and you started assembling it? You know what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. You get to a point and you realize, okay, let me just humble myself, okay? Eat that humble pie and go back to the manual. And you have to redo or undo. One time I was assembling the dustbin and I did a mistake that you can't undo. I had to call and they said, if you do that, that's it. Because they lock as you continue. So I, I forgot to put the bottom, the bottom <laughs> part of it. I thought you would slide it in. Amen. Because I was not willing at operating or assembling the way the manufacturer. So the, 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 the thing was not going to serve me well because I was not winning at it. Amen. So in every electronic or any other thing you buy, you will always get a manual. And this is what a manual is. I looked on Wikipedia and you know when it's on Wikipedia, it's true. Amen. <laughs> I look on Wikipedia and it's a manual is a technical communication document intended to give assistance to the people using particular system. Right? It is intended to give you a win. Are you seeing this? This is intended to give you a win. Nobody writes a manual to mislead you. They write a manual to instruct you to success or rather to a win. The product itself is already a win. The product itself is successful. But are you successful at using it? Your life is a successful life. But are you winning? Are you winning at that successful life? So the manufacturer puts that manual in there. And he puts that manual in there because he wants you to win at it. The manufacturer is simply saying, my product is successful, but you win while using it if you follow these instructions. If you follow these particular instructions. So if anybody is not following the instruction, they are not winning at it. Now this sounds familiar to me. Praise God. This sounds familiar to me. Let's go to Joshua 1, 2 to 8. And I show you something. I show you the master producer, the master creator, and what he did. Look at what Joshua says. This is God talking to Joshua after Moses has died. Remember the Bible says, Moses, my servant is dead. That is in two. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. You and all these people to the land which I will give to you, to the children, uh, to, the, to give to them the children of Israel. Look at 3 says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give, I have given to you or I've given you. So Israel is already successful. Are you seeing this? Israel is already successful because God says everywhere that the sole of your foot is going to trample or tread on, you have won at it. You're already winning in that. So Israel is not trying to become successful. God is just trying to ask them to live out success. He says, number four, from the wilderness of, the, of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun. Look at what it says. Shall be your territory. When God says something is yours, it's already yours. Amen. 
He said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Say amen. amen. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That is good news. Six says this. Be strong and of good courage. For to these people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and of good courage. It continues to say that you may observe to do. Now listen to this. He changes, he changes the speech there. He starts by saying one thing. What is he saying? That you are already successful. But you will only win at being successful by doing what I am about to tell you. Can you see this? God is already laying it down that you are already successful. I have already given you the land. But look at what it says in 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. Praise God. There you go. The Lord is saying, I have a manual. I have a manual. And this manual has instructions of actually living out a successful life. You can only be, says, to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Commanded you. Do not turn from, from it to the, right, to the uh, right hand or to the left. He says, this manual. The company says, this manual. You want to have success with my product? Don't turn away from it. Don't try to be creative. Don't try to be a technician. This is what I have given you as a guide to operating the gadget. And so long as you follow this, this gadget should give you good success. And so God is saying, yes, I know very well that I have given you success in you. But I have also given you instructions. Remember, anybody that does not obey instructions of God can never enjoy the life of Christ. We need to start teaching Christians that theology. That the life of Christ that is inside you depends on your responsibility to know the, uh, to know the instruction and do the instruction. You don't win by fluke. You win by stepping out and doing what is meant for you to win. Look at what it says in 8. Oh, it says in seven, blessed that you may prosper, that you may prosper wherever you go. So this is going to give you prosperity. Look at what it says in eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Can you see this? That is, you will, you will keep this book. You will speak back this book. But you shall meditate in it day and night. This manual shall not depart. You keep it. One day if you have a problem, you go back there. Thou shalt meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous and then you will have what? Good success. So God is saying you only win by keeping what the instructions that are written in the book. This is why I like to encourage people come for spiritual growth classes because that's where you learn the instructions. You will never win without knowing the instructions. God, after God renewed you, after God gave you a new life, the next thing he told you to do is renew your mind towards that life. I normally give an example here. If you are employed, and for those who work in places, the day you are employed, you, are, you went through training, right? Right? So you signed a contract, but the contract is not enough for you to deliver. They said, you are going to go through one month or two weeks, or whatever, training. Why? Because training renews your mind. Training gives you the tool to be successful. But Christians, once we have become Christians, we don't renew our minds. This is why church is important, because you come to get instruction. You come to hear what God is saying. And when you hear what God is saying, you go out and you practice it. 
I know Kathy was in the military. And when you join the military, you have to go through boot camp, right? Because your mind has to be renewed from a civilian to military. Because military thinks different from a civilian. When you're taken to the battlefield, if you go to the battlefield with the mind of a civilian, you've lost. The next minute you're looking for the way to run. This is why many Christians are not up performing at optimal as Christians. You know why? Because we have never renewed our mind to who we have been created. To the life that came in us. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, you will only win in your life when you renew your mind. So go on a journey of renewing your mind to become what God has already made you to become. To live it out. He say you will be of good success. So we win to the extent we are willing to follow the instructions that leads to winning. We win to the extent we are willing to follow the instructions. We win to the extent we are willing to follow the instruction. We win to the extent we are willing to follow the instruction. Please have this conversation with you and tell yourself, I will not manifest success by fluke. You don't stumble into success. You consciously walk into it. If wishes were horses, every beggar would be riding one. Praise God. Then in this same, same manual, there is something else that I saw that was very interesting. It's called caution. Praise God. It's called caution. Now let me read you from this one what it says. It says something here. I want to read a caution here. Okay, that is Spanish. Amen. Amen. Okay, look at this. It says, any changes or modification to this device not expressly approved by the telecommunication company for compliance could avoid the user's authority to operate the equipment. Can you see that? The manufacturer is saying, if you put any alteration, I can't guarantee your success. If you put any alteration, you don't alter. Why? Because success, the gadget has been, has been moved to work, or rather has been designed to work optimally the way it's designed. So you don't make alterations to it. So part of the manual is a caution. And remember in the Bible also is caution. We know about the LGBT movement. They are trying to change, to then to alter. Trying to alter. Say, God, you didn't really do good. I'm going to alter this part of my body. So that I can function optimally. And God is saying, I cannot guarantee your success with that. Because I, fun I made you to function optimally in this particular way. So it's important for us to embrace the caution. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, which means all scripture is written by God and is profitable. Say, it's profitable. So this word of God is profitable. Never look at the word of God as a bother. Never look at the word of God as a bother. It's profitable. Once you see the word of God as profitable, you will give it the value it needs. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, rather for teaching, for reproof, right? For correction, for instruction in righteousness. Look why. That the man of God or the woman of God or you and I who is here may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is, when we follow the Bible, we are, set, we are being set up to success. He says, all scripture, all scripture is given by God or by the inspiration of God or by the breath of God and is profitable for doctrine. So if you don't go to the scripture, you can't leave out success. For reproof, 
part of what scripture is going to do is going to rebuke you. Anybody that doesn't like rebuke doesn't like growth. Anybody that cannot be corrected, praise God, cannot grow. Show me a man that knows everything. I show you a losing person. Anyone to myself that cannot be corrected, cannot grow. Because no matter what you know, you're doing something wrong. So don't be an enemy to correction. Don't be an enemy to reproof. Embrace correction and reproof. We live in a society these days, even in church, if you've preached a message that made people uncomfortable, they no longer want to come to church. Why? Because to them, church has to stroke their ego. Church has to tell them what feels nice. Oh, I don't like that pastor because he touches some areas that I don't want to change. But the truth is this, your true pastor, your true friend is the person that touches those areas that you don't want to change. Because when those areas are altered, you become a better person. You start winning in your life. You start winning in life. And I want you to win in life. I vowed in my life, I'm never going to entertain the failures of people. I don't call people failures, but when I see you're not winning, I don't entertain it. I come and say, listen, this is the way to win. It is my responsibility, and the Bible says that the blood of the people is in my hand. As a pastor, I don't take it lightly when people miss the way. Because I know God will ask me one day, did you talk to them? So I will talk to you. Say, talk to me, pastor. Say, talk to me, pastor. I will call you and I will talk to you. Now you can shut down the phone. Amen. You can refuse to talk to me. But I will talk to you. Praise God. I will talk to you. We may not be friends for a year. But when you see the point, you will come back. Praise God. You can, you will find us and we will embrace you. Praise God. So I will keep on saying it. Because I have a responsibility from God. So this means that becoming successful, becoming successful should not be our focus. Our focus should be obedience. Praise God. Becoming. So remember that furniture you bought, your focus is to sit on it, right? But if your focus is too much to sit on it and you're not willing to obey, you spend the whole day trying to fix it. And then you put it together and you realize there's one whole piece of wood that is here and you're wondering, where was this supposed to go? Then you have to break it again and now humble yourself. So, obedience should be your focus. Don't try to be successful. Strive to obey. Win at obedience. Win at obedience. If you are going through something, for example, you have unforgiveness in your heart, win at obeying God. Don't be praying every time in church, oh God, I am praying that you change my family, but you're not winning the journey of unforgiveness. Because you'd rather not pray for good, that God will help your family and pray, Lord God, help me in my heart to forgive this man or woman. Automatically, you start living out, you start winning, and the life of Christ starts oozing out of you. We are starting our financial peace university. You will find somebody, there's an opportunity to obey God and sit at a class. But after this time, somebody will keep on praying to God God, give me success, give me money, give me money. God is saying, What about the financial peace university? Because people would rather spend hours in the prayer room and not hours in the classroom. We spend time praying for what discipleship can fix. Are you seeing this? We spend time praying for what discipleship can fix. If you are not a computer technician, it doesn't matter how much you pray. Go to school. <laughs> Sit in the class and learn how to code. 
And now pray, God, help me to know coding. That's a good prayer. But you're seated in class, right? There are people, you are here in church, but there are people who count it useless to sit down for one hour and listen to the word of God. You know why? Because they think it's just going to happen one day. God, just meet me. God, take over me. Consume me. Turn me to who you want. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, praise God. It is you to take the responsibility based on what God has given you to turn your life. God never does repenting for you. You repent, right? He loves you so much, but he doesn't have the ability to repent on your behalf. So if you've done something that is not of God, it is you to repent. It is you to run to the altar and say, God, forgive me. Hallelujah. So your focus should be responsibility. Every single day, you should be thinking, how do I win at obedience today? From the morning, what is my obedience step? What are my instructions? And begin to do them. Let me tell you, it is just like brushing teeth. The first day you will never feel anything. This is why living out the life of Christ sometimes is very, you know, seems tedious. It's because it's in the mundane. The little. It's a thing you do over and over that looks so stupid. People... If you see, have you ever seen people who make resolutions? They want to start with a big deal. Now, if you've been worked with uh, uh, an instructor, a fitness instructor, when you decide to start, he doesn't put you on heavy weights. They, they, they start by telling you, just do simple, simple stuff. Why? Because it is better to have uh, a routine. Praise God. Because routine, now this is something I heard from John Maxwell. He says that passion gives you the drive, right? But he says attitude or character is what takes you there. Passion gives you the drive. Many people want to get to places using passion, but they don't want habits. Habits are what take you to what you're passionate about. And so instructors know it. They know you're passionate about losing some weight, right? But they know if they don't create good habits, you will never lose that weight. Or if you lose it, you will regain it. So habits become what the instructor is for. So he will say, just start. I was listening to Craig Groeschel, um, you know, amazing leader, Life Church, amazing leader. And he was saying this. He said that when he started working out, he said that when he was working with an instructor, the instructor told him, I want you to be coming to the gym three times a week. And he said, but I want you to come only for five minutes. How many think that's stupid? <laughs> You're like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I want you to come to the gym, but I want you to come in and stay only five minutes. So you come, go on the treadmill, run for five minutes, take your bag, go back home. And he said, what that did to him is that it created a habit of going to the gym. It gets to a point where your body is on autopilot. It is gym time. It is gone time. <laughs> right? your body is complaining. Why are you seated? But if you said, I want to go to the gym and the first day you go, the man puts you on a two-hour workout, you will not wake up tomorrow. <laughs> and you will, listen, yeah, becoming fit will be a bad experience. That is the problem. With, they want to change and they want to bite big chunks. If you want to start reading the Bible, start by reading five minutes. That five minutes will create the appetite for 10 minutes. And it will create the appetite for 20. God is impressed when you obey. Not the sacrifice you do by sitting, you're putting your leg in water, you can't sleep. You, <laughs> you're fighting sleep, you're saying, I have to win. No, no, no. Just read what you can. And then tomorrow, read what you can. And then push yourself a little bit to do 10 minutes. And as you, be, you start having the habit. 
So God is not, you win by living it out. And how do you live it out? By obeying what God has said. And how do you start obeying? Start small. Say start small. So the courage to obey is what you need. The courage to obey is what you need. Somebody is starting a five minutes gym in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go there and just spend 10 minutes. Just run and then go. It's your money. Nobody will ask you anything. All right? But be, create the habit of doing it. Look at this. Many try to win. Man tries to win by figuring out what works. God says you cannot figure out winning. You obey into winning. Or you obey into wins. Man tries to win by figuring out what works. They're blind, trying to figure out. They don't want to read the manual. They're like, oh, so what's happening? It's Bitcoins now? Okay. Cryptocurrency now? Okay. They try to figure out. But Bible is saying, God is saying, don't figure it out. I have the spirit of God that knows all things. Obey him. Obey him. Obedience. Look at what Proverbs, this is beautiful. I love this scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This scripture is beautiful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Look at this. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Say all. all. Say all. all. So there is no aspect of your life that you cannot consult God. Even when you think you got this thing figured out, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Father, how do I pastor? I know I have read that, but how do I do it? And he will tell you something new. Lord God, how do I become a good wife, a good husband, a good father, and a good mother to this child? Keep on praying that because it is only arrogance that makes you think you're good at it. No. There is still more that you can learn. So humility is important. Jesus. How? And as you're asking how, God will tell you, go to Financial Peace University. As you're praying how, God will tell you, go to this uh, women's meeting that are going to teach about this. Or go to this men's meeting. Listen, listen. Every prayer you pray, God always gives you an instruction. And it's at instruction that prayer, prayers crumble. Everything goes down. <laughs> yeah, people, listen, you can have prayer warriors that will spend the whole night, but never obey one instruction from God. Father, we just want you to move. We just want you to move. Move in Oklahoma City. Move in Oklahoma City. City, move. Move. Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. You are the only God. If you don't move, nobody will move. Move. They can do that the whole night. But they will never speak to one person about Jesus. After you prayed like that the whole night, let that fire take you to Walmart. Praise God. Let that fire take you to Walmart and speak to somebody about Jesus. I didn't take uh, God's stories today, but we'll do it next week. Amen. But when they took us to the, to the, you know, for dinner with my wife, after we finished, I talked to three people about Jesus. As we were leaving, the ladies who were working there, I talked to them about Jesus. I said, if you ever need prayer, God loves you. This is a card. I gave her the card. I talked to them. I may never see them, but I know I have sown a seed. Or one day I will get a funny call. Hello, I can't take it anymore. I say, you can. Praise God, you can. I want to see you in church. Because we planted seeds. You know, when you talk to people, the minute you're talking to people, they always have a guard, right? They feel like, no, I don't want to talk right now. They're not interested. Listen, listen, may God... Give you the strength to look past that. Look past all the God that people put and look into their spirit. Don't be intimidated by how they look. You might find somebody who's dressed like I'm dressed and you go like, man, that guy is sorted. 
Not very true. Most of the time, people who are like that, inside there is something that they are lacking. May you obey God. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge him and what will happen. And he shall direct your path. He will direct your path. Look at what Proverbs 14, uh, 12 says. This is interesting. <laughs> he said, there is a way that seems right to a man. Have you ever seen a man that <laughs> is full of himself? There is a way that seems right to a man. I got this. I got this. I got this. But the end is, but its end is the way of death. Problem is that people find out at death. May you have wisdom. You might be doing something right now and you're feeling this is the only way. If it is contrary to what God is saying, the end of it is death. Be wise. No matter how it looks like, if it is not of God, the end of it is death. Because anything that is not of God is sin and the wages of sin is death. I don't mean you will die, praise God. What I'm meaning is that it might not get you to the place that you want to go. It might not get you to the place that you want to go. Nobody will die young in the name of Jesus. You will live your life in Jesus' name. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. Beautiful scripture. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Can you see this? My thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways. May this sink into our hearts today. May it sink into our hearts. Because, because of the advent of education and mental exploits, we think we know more than God. But our minds, Bible says that the wisdom of man, that's where the foolishness of God starts. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What does this mean? Begin renewing your mind to my thoughts. So our journey as Christians is to think the way Christ is thinking so that we can win daily. Because the way Christ is thinking is win. Are you getting this? The way Christ is thinking is win. So continue begin thinking the way Christ is thinking. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this from the bottom of my heart. If you are not renewing your mind, you will struggle at this life. It is not a curse. It is a rebuke and a direction from a man of God that loves you. If you are not renewing your mind to what God is saying, this life you will struggle in it. You will struggle. But I know for you that are seated here today, there is no struggle in the name of Jesus I decree and declare that your minds will begin thinking God's thoughts in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I conclude by this. I was talking to a friend of mine. She was having a chat yesterday night. Actually, I called him to ask him a few things. He's a commercial pilot. Uh, his name is Jonah. He's a commercial pilot. And he's also an instructor. So I was chatting with him because I had read some things that was very interesting. So the good thing with Jonah is that he's an instructor. He's also a commercial pilot. He flies uh, with a, a commercial company that, you know, uh, helps people to move from one place to another. And so I was asking him a few things that I was trying to read. Now, there's a concept in flying that is called blind flying. How many people have heard that? Blind flying or flying blind or flying using the instruments, Right? It's a, it's, it's a good concept because I wanted to know what illustration can I use to just send this message of winning home. Now, before a pilot gets into a plane, or even before you start piloting, one of the things you are taught is to trust the instruments. You know, the instruments are the gauges that are in front of you. All the gauges that are in front of you. 
If you went in as a pilot and you said, I don't care about this. I am going to go by my senses. Chances are you will not win in that flight. It is your trust on the instruments. And so I was talking to him and he was telling me some of these things that they do. And I was asking, you know, why is it that you are asked as a pilot to trust the instrument? If let's say, for example, you're in trouble uh, mid-air. And the tower always tells you, we'll get you out of it. Trust the instrument. Don't try to be funny. Don't try to be creative. <laughs> right? That's what the, well, that's what the controller is telling you. Don't try to be creative. Trust the instrument. Now, there is something we call spatial or spatial dis, what? disorientation or optical illusion. Spatial disorientation or optical illusion. So this is what happens when you fly. If you fly and you get into, uh, you know, uh, weather that is not right or just normal flying, your body begins to lose trajectory. Do you know how we walk? We walk because our eyes knows the distance, you know, from, for example, if I want to step down, my eye judges that distance and exact the energy that it needs to exert to get there. How many people have ever tried to borrow spectacles? Yeah? Or you can try and come and take this and I ask you to jump here. You may fall. You know why? Because all of a sudden you've distorted, right, your eye. So your eye is not judging the, di the distance right. And so it's telling you add more strength or less strength. That is an illusion. It's like an optical illusion. So in piloting, you are taught, don't go by feelings. Don't go by what you think. He said, go by the instruments. It sounds familiar because the Bible says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And the reason I'm bringing this is because your life, you are the pilot of your life. You are the one piloting your life, right? But the problem with us is that we walk by feelings. We don't look at the instruments. These are the instruments of life. The gyroscopic gauge that tells you where you are leaning. The, the, what, the, the, the gauge that tells you how fast you are going. For example, if the speedometer was not in your car, would you know how fast you're going? You need that instrument to tell you you're over by about 10 right now. You need to reduce. Or you're under, you need to go faster. But if the instrument was not there, you cannot, yes, you can feel speed, but you cannot know exactly how fast you're going. That is the exact thing that happens to us. Many people are flying their life, but they are going by feelings. It doesn't feel right. Now, this is different from what the Holy Spirit tells you. Because you, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You cannot say you don't like the Bible and be obedient to the Spirit at the same time. It doesn't work. In fact, the fundamentals of direction and divine direction is the Bible. It starts from obeying the word of God before even the Holy Spirit begins speaking to you and I. So many people say, man, I just, I got the spirit of God. It will direct me. And you put away the word of God. There's also another voice out there that you may not know that will begin feeding something in you. And so the success of your flight, the success of your life is in trusting the instruments. Trust the instrument. Now listen, trust in the Lord. The Bible is saying, my ways are not your ways. Now, you know, Jonah was telling me this, that there's a reason why pilots go in the cockpit, two of them. He said, it's not because, he said this, and I said, man, Jonah, this is so bright. I said, he said, there's a reason why 
pilots go into. He says, it's not because one pilot cannot fly it. He said, it's because the other one put, um, uh, 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 what did he say? He said this, the other one gives accountability. That's exactly what he said. He keeps the other person accountable. So pilots, when they fly, they keep on repeating what the other person is saying. Right? So when they are flying, go and watch some of these videos. So when they are flying, and let's say they want to rise to a certain altitude. Let's just give it a name like maybe a thousand feet above. He will say a thousand feet, and then the other person will say a thousand feet, then they will rise. Accountability. Pilots need accountability. It's only lives that don't, the people think they don't need accountability. Because sometimes what you're thinking and feeling may not be in concert with what the word of God says. But you need a man of God around you. You need a woman of God around you. You need a good friend about you that says, you're seeing a thousand, but I'm, I'm seeing 200. I'm seeing 200. Because most of the time, we have illusions. Or maybe we, we just want it to be a thousand. Come on. <laughs> right? Because you can, you, you can insist to yourself, it is a thousand. I don't care. How many people know what I'm talking about? If you want something so bad, nothing can stop you. And this is why piloting, they subject themselves to accountability. So when the controller at the tower is talking to the pilot, he says so and so and so. This is what I'm telling you. Runway 25, what, what, what? The person has to repeat this, what the other guy said. It sounds the same as what we call confession. What is confession? Is you're repeating what God told you. Why? Because he needs to see you're getting it. So when we are confessing the word of God, we are not just becoming evangelicals. It's not just an art of being uh, charismatic. It's a way of God because God wants this word to be in your mouth and you meditate day and night in it. Why? Because he wants you to be there. And lastly, I asked him, what is the statistics? Uh, what does the statistics say about accident? What is the biggest causes of accident? It says human error. The largest cause of accident, aviation accident, is human error. He actually called it complacency. Complacency. That you do it so many times, you think you know it. Complacency. He says this is why when they are taxing or they are coming out, they, they know the runway they are supposed to go to. But they have to say, I am seeing runway so and so. This, this number is to the right. He, they say it, they keep saying it. And he told me something. He said that they have a checklist that they go through before you start flying. And he says he, can, he, can mem he has memorized that checklist. But he says because of complacency, they are told to read it every time. Because how many people know you can do something long enough and you figure out like, I know this stuff. You can never become a professional wife or a professional husband. Praise God. Just that's, You can't become a professional pilot. You have to continue learning. 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 Keep on learning. Another thing he mentioned, I'm just giving you this. This is very interesting. He said that in pilot school, there are no professors, there are no teachers, there are instructors. Oh, messed me up. And I asked him why. He said because in piloting, it's about following instruction. You're not given advice. You're given instruction. And I say, how true with the word of God. God doesn't give you advice. God gives you instructions. There's a difference. This is why, listen, in college you are given advice. You are taught and you go do with it what you want. In piloting, uh -uh, it's what you are told that you should do. So as a pilot of your life, if you want to win daily, trust the instruments. Trust, the, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You might be feeling you're going up. But the illusion would be maybe you're going down. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in him.
Figure out what the instruments are saying. If the instrument says that the way you are talking, this marriage is going to break, trust the instrument. If the instrument says the way you are using your money, <laughs> you will not have enough, trust the instrument. Don't trust what CNN is saying. Don't trust what the media told you. Trust what God says. Hallelujah. Say, I will trust the instrument. That is how to win in life. Praise God. Do you receive it today? Do you receive it this morning? Is this a good word? Is this a good word? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We give God all the glory. Amen, amen. Let's be on our feet as we finish this service.